Welcome to Cinemaholics. I'm John Negroni from San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, stones throw. Well, well, it's a lot of stones throws from Emeryville, where Pixar is based. He is Will Ashton. Many people refer to him as the good dinosaur. You know, because you're a dinosaur when it comes to your takes, and you're you don't like it. Okay, fine. Is so I'm prehistoric? Is that what you're trying to say? What What you can probably tell is that when Will and I talk, you're like, man, John and Will, they don't mix. You know, John's fire, <laughs> Will's water. You know? Yeah. Well, how 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 do you get these two in a room? Right. You, know, you can't. They're too dangerous uh, when put together. But maybe that's that's why this podcast uh, does what it does. You know what happens when you put those two together? You get a lot of hot air. Which is what <laughs> that's right. This hot air. You're gonna you yourself. You're gonna be in some hot water if you stick around too long. Yeah. Uh, it's another Pixar movie. I think we got to start with uh, the obvious. This is the first original Pixar movie to hit theaters since Onward was in theaters for like 20 minutes um, in March 2020. And we've gotten one Pixar movie in theater since then. It was Lightyear, the kind of spin-off prequel that not a lot of people liked, uh, including me and you. Um, well, I, well, sorry, sorry. Did you did you like Lightyear? I don't remember you liking no. it. Okay, Lightyear that's what I thought. A least favorite <laughs> movie, I think. It's it's my second least favorite. I still think Cars Two is just like I, I cannot sit through that movie. Lightyear, I can sit through and have a, a decent time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do not think that there is any like outright offensively bad Pixar movie. They're just very weak ones. Um, and yeah, Lightyear is I, one of them for me. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, I mean, the reason why I put Lightyear as the worst is because like, to me, that's like the one Pixar movie I can't really think of many like redeeming factors other than like, yeah, the animation looks gorgeous and stuff. And just like, it feels very cynical as far as like this movie, they never really could figure out like how they could justify it. It felt very much like Disney kind of being like, we need something that can guarantee itself. If you want to keep making original movies and that one just, I don't, it just didn't feel like they ever figured it out in that very Pixar way. There was um, so much pressure on that movie to make a billion dollars. Right. And it was yeah. far from that. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the end results. <laughs> it's sad. It's sad. But uh, Elemental is definitely more a movie along the uh, kind of the establishment lines of the Pixar studio the the Pixar style uh we kind of have like our like our hidden world like a world where things are different from ours uh very Pixar formula you know in terms of here are a bunch of characters here's a lot of world building here's a metaphor for something that my parents can talk about with their kids um this movie's been interesting because the initial critical reaction was pretty muted coming out because this premiered at the Cannes Film Festival and you know it's can right? and people people are you know a little bit choosy at can sometimes you have an inside out where they're just like inside out I'm, I'm i'm blowing up from the inside out i love this movie so much other times not so much i mean other times i think um <clears throat> i can't think of a good example of another pixar movie that was a can uh, it might have been one of the sequels or prequels but sorry was up a can i don't remember I, I i know up was a summer movie so very possible um but needless to say i mean it, it just has not been um Ken is just not that conducive to mainstream American animation, um, quite honestly, uh, at least at this level. A light year was supposed to be a can, and then they were like, eh, just kidding. But then Chris Evans was just like, to be clear, this is the uh, the Cannes <laughs> Film Festival based on the real Cannes Film Festival. The Cannes Film Festival, the toy play set that you get. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a little can, just a can, not, not can, C-A-N-N-E-S. Uh, so this movie is also... It, one of the you know pixar had has had like a pretty consistent run of originals uh lightyear is kind of like in the middle there like it, it kind of showed up after like three straight original uh those are onward in 2020 uh because before onward we had toy story 4 in 2019 but no so we had onward 
and then we had Soul, the Pete Doctor movie, then we had Luca in 2021, and then we had Turning Red in 2022, and then we had Lightyear. You can just cross that off the list, and then we have Elemental. So Elemental's kind of it's not capping off the originals because we do have another original coming out next year. Uh, that's Elio. We got some more info about that this past week. And uh, after Elio, I think the the next one after that's probably going to be Inside Out too. Um, so we we kind of have like a new sort of like era of Pixar original so we can kind of look at. Uh, you know, the, the Pixar has its golden run, right? Well, I mean, from uh, right after Toy Story two, you go from like Monsters Inc to Toy Story three. I mean, that is just like a you know, Toy Story two to Toy Story three is I think the Pixar golden age. Uh, it's where they kind of just really like changed the game in terms of animation, um, the pop culture, like worlds that they had created. You know, it, it was such a successful run for the studio, maybe not financially, because Pixar had to uh, be bought by Disney uh, at one point because they just were not making the money. But their movies were hitting audiences hard. Uh, people love Ratatouille, Incredibles, Up. Uh, it just one after the other, right? Finding Nemo to this day, one of their most successful movies. Uh, that was like a big box office success, but uh, Pixar is an expensive place to run. And so they kind of had to go to the sequels. They kind of had to, you know, under the Disney leadership, uh, John Lasseter becoming a creative president of uh, Pixar and Disney for the 20 teens up until he uh, was uh, kind of just ousted for being a creep. And then the doctor taken over. Uh, and Ed Catmull stepping down. The 20 teens were a very calamitous time for Pixar. Uh, A lot of people say that that is a a big decline era for Pixar because that's when we get Cars 2, when we get Brave, um, Good Dinosaur, which everybody knows John defends, and uh, Finding Dory, uh, Cars 3. And look, these movies aren't even bad or anything, and and people come to bad for them, right? They come to bad for me, especially for like Monsters University. And... uh, Incredibles 2 and Toy Story 4. I mean, it, it just had felt like an era where, okay, you get Inside Out and Coco, and that's about it. Like, you get what you get, right? Um, so with that in context, Wilkes, I don't think you disagree with me too much there. What's been your take on the originals? Like the new era, the, the, the new class in town? Because it's not like we got to see a lot of these in the theater. <laughs> so we've kind of had to just watch these on Disney+. Plus. It's a, it's a different thing, huh? Yeah, I mean, kind of like you're saying, like there's this Renaissance period that they have in like the the like 2000s. Uh, I guess technically When's their maybe enlightenment. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, um, yeah, like just nonstop bangers, just like constantly, just like they they cement themselves as like the like premier animation, uh, especially because at that point, um, you know, Disney was kind of on a decline. They were having like Chicken Little and Home on the Range and like. And it, yeah. and these, yeah, yeah, these just these like you know, inferior movies compared to their '90s run, and now it kind of seems like things are maybe a little bit flipped for them now. Like kind of Disney was, you know, I, well now they're kind of back down uh, a little bit because they have like Strange World which didn't do so hot and like Frozen Two and whatnot. But um, yeah, at least but got yeah. Encanto. That was a big big like, success yeah. for them. But then also Ride the Last Dragon was kind of like okay, yeah. right? Didn't love that didn't care for it um but uh yeah i mean as far as pixar is concerned uh i mean i i will go to bat uh for cars 2 to a mild extent i think people are a little harsh on that one but uh but yeah i mean since that point it does kind of seem like they have like their peaks and valleys like they kind of like you know people 
you know, like I, they have like harsh feelings on Monsters University as well. And like you said, Brave movies I like to some extent, but definitely lesser than the 2000s run. But then they come back with Inside Out. It's like, okay, Pixar's back. Whew. All right. And then they kind of dip again because, like you said, there's like the good dinosaur and stuff. And I know people didn't really care for Incredibles 2, which I really liked, I think, more than other people. But but then you have Coco where it's like, okay, classic Pixar. Also, you know, seems like we haven't seen this kind of story from Pixar as well. It's like that happy medium. They're Coco back. was before Incredibles 2, to be clear. So I think you're thinking of like a Finding Dory was in between Dory, um, sorry, Inside one. Out, Good Dinosaur. And, yeah. Yeah. Finding Dory, not really that crazy about. But um and in any case yeah then yeah you have these originals which are all like you said like i really like soul i really like turning red i like luca as well um you know like these really solid lovely movies and like especially in the case of like soul and and luca and i guess even turning red like the animation is a little bit different than what we expect from pixar but it has that classic format it it, it really of all the movies that had to be pushed onto uh disney plus uh, given obviously the unfortunate circumstances around it uh, like those ones, it was just so painful to see like really solid, good, uh, like films from Pixar just kind of get put on the service kind of coldly. And now we have these two new Pixar movies that are, you know, thankfully in theaters again, but it's also like these two Pixar movies are the ones I'm kind of like, well, if there are any kind of Pixar movies I'd rather be watching at home, I would say it's probably Lightyear and maybe even Elemental. Like it doesn't, I, I feel like I'm not getting as much compared to the originals before this, but I don't want to jump ahead too much. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about Elemental here in a sec, but uh, yeah, just good to get that little bit of a read because yeah, to this day, I, I, I really want to see the Luca and turning red in particular on the big screen. Th- those have been my two favorites of this like new era. Soul, I do think uh, it actually holds up pretty well on a rewatch, but yeah, turning red. I just think it was like, man, this this is I think Pixar cooking at its best, and Luca is just such a that movie is just like a comfort movie for me. Um, I love just like existing in that movie, especially with the uh, soundtrack. But yeah, this has been it's definitely not been their golden era. It hasn't been their renaissance, but it has you know it's kind of just been like okay, here are some like really solid movies, a bunch of like uh, movies that are like comparable with some of the best ones. Um, but also, I think you know, I do think like Onward, for example. I, I do wonder uh, how that movie would have played out if uh, things had been different and it had, had like a more serious theatrical run. Uh, but we don't we don't have to play in the past, you know. We don't have to play in what ifs. The only what if I want to play is, well, what if what if elements had feelings? Fire, water, yeah. earth, and air. Um, you know, long ago the four elements slid together in harmony, and then everything changed I when knew. Pixar attacked gonna do an avatar last airbender thing i, I wasn't kept... sure you were gonna get it you've only watched one episode yeah i saw the last airbender movie i, I i'm up to speed i, I got the gist and i said go. that well <laughs> to hurt you a little bit yeah 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 the psychological damage on me this time huh uh no th- th- there's a couple firsts going on here for pixar well you know i shouldn't say that uh this is kind of the first like full-on like romantic comedy that i think they're trying to do you could argue Toy Story 4 kind of yeah, has yeah. like some rom-com stuff in it. Um, but I don't think that's the main engine of that movie. And you could also say that Wally uh, is a bit of a romantic comedy. But I think that that movie is just so much more grand and operatic that it, it kind of transcends that. This movie is a little bit more like uh, plain about it. You know, uh, there are two movies that uh, I think that are three movies that the makers of Elemental say that they're kind of like drawing upon for their like New York City kind of immigrant story, kind of mixed with like a, an unlikely romance. That's uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, 
uh, the 80s or the 60s version, uh, Moonstruck, which uh, I watched for the first time last year. And I thought it was very, very lovely and nice. And uh, Amelie um, as well. No, oh, I just uh, I saw Amelie for the first time like a month or so ago. Look at that. We're just we did our research and we weren't even trying. Yeah. Um, but in, in this world, we have anthropomorphic elements of nature. There are four kinds that we see in this. We'll, like if there's going to be a sequel, uh, it would probably be like uh, even more, right? It would be like, uh, I don't know. I'm not good at thinking of elements. Metal. A, what are the metal ones? Like we could see them. There, where's the lightning people? Uh, but uh, they all kind of coexist in this world. Um, the, the setup is that it's like it's element city. Um, so think Zootopia basically where it's like a whole city sort of built around like the, the elements. Um, however, you can kind of tell that like, we're really, it's like a place for water people, right? Because, uh, things are made of glass and things are more conducive to how they live. Uh, and the immigrants in this story are the fire people, right? So, uh, we, we kind of see like a, a couple, one of them's pregnant, uh, do not ask us questions about how pregnancy and childbirth works in the elemental world because of many things. It is not something that has, I think, an answer and an explanation. You kind of just have to go with it. Uh, I mean, the rule, uh, was it what rule 34 or whatever for this movie? I, I don't, I never want to look into those things. And I, I, I imagine they're going to have their work cut off for them. And, uh, you know, I do feel bad for the parents whose like, uh, kids are just going to be like, but, but mommy, mommy, what? How did how did they have relations? You know, that's how t- kids talk, right? Um, yeah. But no, so we we follow uh, the fire people because they live in sort of like their own like like district, their own sort of like immigrant like you know districts outside of the main part of the city because they're kind of hated by the other elements. Maybe and not even just hated, but it's just more of sort of like annoying. You know, they're annoying to them because fire can put out or not put out water, but like extinguish fire or water and uh you know soil earth creatures like fire kind of touches them their leaves all burn up and stuff it's very cute um we mainly follow this uh young fiery fire person named ember and she is trying to decide you know or she's trying to um take over her her dad's business um but she's trying to like deal with her temper she she gets very mad she blows up you know, uh, a little bit like uh, anger from inside out. Right. And she, she just, she's, she's not good with people like in the store, like the customers come up and they're just, you know, they're very annoying. And she is sort of like, ah, you know, how, how am I going to you know prove to my dad that I can be nice and I can, you know, take care of things and he can retire, blah, blah, blah. Uh, she eventually comes into contact with Wade, um, who's voiced by, um, and I, I hopefully I'm not butchering his name, uh, Mamadou Athe, Athe, um, Ember, by the way, voiced by Leo Lewis from uh what was that the, the the half of it was that movie she was in oh was uh, that her? i i think that was her yeah okay uh yeah the half of it uh netflix film from a few years back i oh, think we talked about it on the show yeah i like that uh mama duate he he was in um a netflix show called archive 81 and uh we saw him pretty recently last year in uh, jurassic world dominion yeah he was also in the, the other netflix movie wasn't he in uncorked yeah i didn't see that where he's like a sommelier that's yeah, okay yeah it's all right so Wade is like a city inspector and, uh, they come in, they come into contact because essentially the business is, um, like, there's like all these water leaks and that's not good because of fire people. And the movie kind of becomes like, okay, there's like a little bit of a romance going on between Wade and Ember, but there's also sort of like a, a city planning dispute. It's very weird, right? Like 
the movie is kind of sort of like, oh, she's got to save the business. And it's like, oh, this wall. It's like, it's, it's kind of like an episode of Bob the Builder a little <laughs> bit. And I was, I was watching it and I was like, okay, are they going to do the Zootopia thing? There already are to a huge extent. They're kind of, it's a it's sort of an allegory. It's a metaphor for racism and for interracial, you know, sort of things. Although Zootopia wasn't really about romance, but it was sort of about like accepting each other. And, you know, there, there was a, there was stuff in there about how systemic racism works. So like, even if you're not like mean to somebody in a racist way, racism is something that exists apart from that. I mean, it's, it's something that like a whole society can kind of be built to disenfranchise people. And this movie has that kind of right because it's sort of like you know the fire people are out in this like little area and you know they're they're being negatively affected but it doesn't go all the way with it right so uh, not to jump ahead a little bit but i man this movie had potential it really like i think that they could have just they were like two or three like revisions on the script i think from having something pretty like pretty compelling Mm -hmm. And instead, I just think that this this feels like an early draft that they just kind of kept going with it. And it makes me wonder if like Pixar has kind of, you know, their brain, the brain trust is still pretty intact. But I just wonder if, you know, this is Peter Stone who directed The Good Dinosaur. He's been with Pixar a long time. I just kind of wonder if they've sort of become a little bit more like we schedule oriented and not like it'll be, we got to make it right no matter how long it takes. It's more sort of like, we got it movie after movie after movie. I'm I'm pretty disappointed in this one because I think of how much potential it has, and uh, I want to get your read on it. But I'll I'll say, to be clear, I'm, there are some people who are coming to bat for this movie and just being like nonsense. Uh, this movie's terrific. Uh, you know, pick one of Pixar's best movies. I've seen critics come out and say this is like one of the best Pixar movies they've ever seen, and and I'm just like, man, I I wish I was there. I, I wish that was where I'm at. Um, but I don't know. What do you think, Will? Do you, are you on the same page? Or are you a little nicer? Where are you at? Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit in our Spider-Verse uh, review. Like, when you see the trailer for this movie, it, it, it almost kind of looks like a parody of a Pixar movie. Like, it, it, yeah, yeah. it has, like, all, like, the formulaic hallmarks of those kind of films. But, like, the world doesn't seem as fleshed out. It seems, like, inventive, but also weirdly kind of familiar. Uh, it, it's not as kind of fleshed out and grand as, like, you expect. It kind of has almost like a DreamWorks kind of quality in that way, where it's like getting the blueprint, but maybe not getting all the ingredients in the in the stew. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think going into it, certainly I'm like, you know, putting that aside, like I just really want this movie to work. Like obviously, you know, as you've been saying, it's been a little bit since we've seen uh, an original Pixar movie in theaters. You just want this one to be a winner. It has everything you expect from Pixar movie on, you know, on paper, you, you think you can be a very easy. And, and I think this is a very like personal heartfelt movie for Pierre Son, the director and, and writer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think watching it, it's just odd that like the things that Pixar usually does really well seem a little off here missing. Like you said, like usually they're very good about taking some things that uh, can be a little bit complex or kind of busy, but like simplifying in a way that doesn't, contrite the narrative but uh also makes it easy to follow and understand this one is weirdly kind of convoluted as far as the story is concerned it's also kind of loose narrative so like like you said like the zootopia thing like i think zootopia has its problems as well has similar issues but that movie i think you're more willing to forgive it because you're invested in the characters you understand them very well uh, you you also have a pretty tight plot, a pretty you know well paced film, and so like the stuff you're thinking about, like well I don't know if that really works, I don't know if that 
technically count. Like the racial metaphor of it is kind of messy, but it, you don't really think about it as much until afterwards. Whereas this one, because there's not as much going into it, you know where it's going to go. You, you, you can see the beats coming. In some respects, you're kind of just like, you're thinking a lot more about that. And you're kind of just like, well, I don't know, like, how does this world really work? And like, how does this metaphor really work? Especially considering that, um, you know, like it, it obviously, um, uh, there's a sense of like the, the fire, uh, elements are like, they're, they're meant to be like Asian, but they're also supposed to be like Eastern European. They're supposed to be, I think, Jewish a little bit. And it's like, uh, it's not like they're trying to be, keep it vague and open, but it also feels kind of weird that they like aren't very specific at the same time. Like, I don't know if they're just trying not to be offensive or what was going on with that, but well, they, they even have like a language and it's right. kind of like, and the language kind of evokes like some like Middle Eastern stuff. So yeah, yeah it, right. it's very, it's almost kind of clumsy in like the things it chooses to be specific about. And they're called Firish. So it's like kind of like, it's also supposed to be like Irish immigrants in some yeah, respect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, know, I was a little confused about that, but like, I think like even like the story kind of feels a little haphazard about like, like the way our two characters meet feel a little kind of rushed and didn't really, like it just kind of feels half pawn and like, like, it's not a good meat coot cute. Yeah, yeah, and, and also, like, the motivations, the character kind of just, like, fly by, and then, like, there's, like, this thing that's, like, oh, we have to go to the sporty event in order to, like, talk to this person, like, why? Like, who? And, like, it just kind of seems like they wrote, like, this set piece into the film, and, like, they had to kind of figure out a way to keep that in there, because they did so much work, and, like you said, that they had a schedule kind of maintain. And so, like, stuff like that, like, it feels a lot more, like, like, the stuff I don't usually think about with Pixar, where it's just, like, okay, like, they have these things and that, like, they flow very naturally, very organically in the story. This it doesn't feel as organic. doesn't feel like it flows as well. It feels a little clunky in that respect. Uh, and it feels like the stuff that I usually expect them to really flesh out and expand upon, like the world building and the characters, like they're, they're fine. They're like, it's interesting, but it doesn't feel as like vibrant and huge as you'd normally expect from a film like this one from Pixar. I, I do want to say the things that I like about this movie for sure. So I think, you know, it's Pixar visually. I think that they totally nail it. I think that's, this was an art style and kind of a departure from what they've done before in the right ways, where it's sort of evolving the Pixar house style without trying to be gimmicky, without trying to, you know, push push the envelope or do something different for the sake of it. And they, they've done this a lot with their movies. I, I, I had a little a little bit of a, an online moment uh, this past week when I, I saw this like kind of discourse going on about how all Pixar movies look the same. And I, I just think that that's like nonsense. I think that we think of that because Disney movies and a lot of animated movies try to copy Pixar and it's, it's like they're trying to copy it in the way that they think Pixar sort of pays attention to details. And I don't think that that's the case at all. I think Pixar is really good about the little things and that's what kind of rounds out their movies. It's not just the art design, which is always usually really well thought out, but a lot of it is the detail. It's the lighting, you know, it's, they the way that they uh, weave in the world building to an extent, like in this movie, the things I like for sure are actually just sort of seeing the characters use the idea that they are elements as part of the mechanics of their world, you know, like uh, uh, particularly Ember who can like make glass and, and, you know, she can like do certain things in her environment in order to get around. Like a lot of that stuff was fun to watch for sure. Um, I, I think it just, for me, it, it really is just the story. I think the story is something that is missing some really key ingredients to, to make it all work. It's missing that connection between what is it about this setting? What, what is it about 
the world they live in that informs the immigrant story. And I see the piece of it. Like I kind of see what they maybe had in mind, but didn't quite bring to the page because there's a clear sort of like commentary here about how Ember and her family are kind of on the outs. They're sort of victims of a place that wasn't made for them, that it, a place that isn't accommodating to them. And when that that's sort of like an external conflict, right? And usually Pixar is really good at like, here's the external conflict, here's the internal conflict. And this movie is good at the internal stuff because it's, you know, you have Ember um, trying to figure out like quite literally, like she has an internal conflict about what she wants to do with her life. And the the drama between her and her father, who's voiced by Ronnie Del Carmen, longtime story artist for Pixar, uh, is it, that stuff is very compelling. Um, but then I think you see where the movie is kind of like, disappearing into itself when it comes to the dynamic between her and Wade and how that works and why their romance exists. And it's one-sided to me. You can see why Ember has a thing for him. The movie puts attention on that. It's like she sees him as more go of the flow. He kind of cools her off. They you that like that stuff is very elegantly said of like here is why she would be drawn to this person, this water person, because even though he's like her total opposite, and it's in a way where they complement each other. The problem is that the movie doesn't turn that around enough to see like, well, okay, why, why does, what does Wade see in her? And it just kind of lacks that same sort of like characterization and growth for him. And that's what I mean is like, that's where the external conflict can come into place because he literally represents a, a part of society that um, has put her sort of on the fringes her whole life. And the movie never the movie never quite reckons with that, even with its whole thing of like, they try to fix a wall together and, you know, by a fluke, it, it doesn't work. And like it, the, the constructs of the plot, I mean, that's what it's missing. It's missing sort of like, here's why we're here kind of a thing. Um, it's something that I do think that Zootopia did well. And, and maybe people can argue about how like, you know, the difference being Zootopia has a villain, you know, and part of the reason that's, I think good is because it, there is like sort of a, a conspiracy behind it. There's a sort of like a, a way for the characters to sort of look at these are the situations and the circumstances, blah, blah, blah. Here's how we're going to deal with it. And Elemental is just a little bit more of like, let's just get through this. Uh, love conquers all. And that's about it. It's very surface level to me. Um, so I, th I think that kind of sums up why, why the story just does not. Uh, at, for me, Will, it's, uh, it's a little wet, a little mm. flat. Yeah, it, it's... Um... Yeah, it, it's a little fluid, I guess, because it feels like you said um, before, like it, it it has a story that you can tell, like, I, I think they had like a lot of revisions, like there are a lot of things they were like incorporating from other versions of the script and putting in there. But I think it kind of needed like that final, I don't know, like final draft revision where it, it, it streamlined this, like you said, maybe added a character to be more central in the third act to kind of give it a little more of a, a structure or something that like makes it a little bit more concrete. Yeah. yeah giving Wade got, or somebody in Wade's family a little bit more of like flaws that carry into what happens in the third act. Like for example, like you, you, there's no sort of like reckoning with um, Wade as a person who, you know, and, and I'm not trying to rewrite the movie or anything, but he's a person who goes with the flow so much that he doesn't understand what she goes through and really takes her seriously. But the, the movie never allows him to sort of be, like a bad person sure. or to have that kind of like moment. Yeah. I saw, um, Matt Singer described, uh, that character as a manic drip, manic drips, dripsy, uh, manic pixie dream puddle, I think was what yeah. he said. Yeah. 
He's a he's a wet blanket. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it does seem like something crucial is missing with that character. I, I'm not quite sure why he feels kind of just flowy and and loose in this, but um, yeah, and he I mean, can be. But it's just like the movie doesn't let that be part of the story. It's just sort of like an aside. It's just sort of like here he is because you even have like stuff happening in the movie where he kind of like shows up and tries to be like you know he has his big speech or whatever and again it's like i don't know it, it's missing some sort of like uh everything coming together kind of moment and you feeling like where is the subversive message in this now it does have kind of a subversive like message in the sense of like what what causes our temper you know like what makes us angry and there were times in the movie where i was like okay that's an interesting thought is that true though and i'm, I'm kind of curious because i I, I, psychology was my minor. I'm not going to pretend like I'm some kind of expert, but I don't know if that is always like a very like reliable, um, helpful thing to tell people of like your anger is you trying to tell yourself something. Um, I find it interesting, but I just don't know if it's like, if the movie's being a little bit too binary about that. Yeah. You might get yourself in some trouble if you kind of follow that logic too, too closely, maybe. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I was thinking that same thing too when I was watching. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's a nice thought, but I don't know if that really flows. I I can see because I I think I've I've had times where I think like my my temper is a symptom of something, or it's like you know if I've gotten really angry about something, there's usually something underneath it. But I don't. There's a sort of almost like it's me trying to tell myself. It, it, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's totally accurate. No, I mean I think. Like a, a better way to kind of get the same thing is like it seems like your anger is hiding something. Like it's not like trying to say something else. It's or you know what I mean. Like it seems like the like the thought makes sense, but it's not quite clear. Like it, it like I think he's sure. like yeah. I think there's a way to kind of tackle something similar, but make it a little bit more authentic. We should point out our mutual best friend is in this movie, um, Joe Para. Yeah, big screen debut. I'm so excited. I was and I didn't have the heart to tell you that he well, doesn't have a lot of lines in this. Sure. Um, that's why I didn't warn you. I just wanted you to to sit in the movie theater and, and still have that, you know, that, that ray of hope in your life for sure. a minute. But, uh, it sounds like you still really liked, uh, what he's doing here. Oh, I think he's so funny in this. Um, I think his last line in particular, the way he delivers his last <laughs> line. It's very Will Ashton. It's literally something you have said on this podcast. I, I was getting there. Yeah. I was think, <laughs> oh, is it so funny? So well delivered. <laughs> But proves that Joe Para is an OG Cinemaholics fan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> he remembers that era. <laughs> um, I do like the music in this. Uh, it's Thomas Newman, uh, the, you know, who is, say again? No, I just imagine Joe Para saying Maverick Hines. <laughs> <laughs> Maverick. <laughs> um, no, uh, Thomas Newman, of course, uh, yeah composer of many great films but uh in pixar world he's done a lot of the ones with uh, andrew Stanton in the past like finding Nemo and uh wally and stuff uh it, it's just tough it's it, it's one of those movies again where i think like the the technicals are there as you would expect uh i i guess one thing i'm kind of kind of wondering is like why why do you think this movie is getting kind of a, a sort of like hey it's actually it's actually really good what are you talking about from people like what, what do you think that's about like what, what do you think it is about this movie that is uh I guess, polarizing or divisive or, you know, is there something about the, like, I, I can kind of see maybe the immigrant story hitting people maybe yeah. harder than it hit me, even though like, I mean, my parents were kind of 
immigrants. Like they came to America, they didn't know English. Um, Puerto Rico is a territory, so they weren't immigrants in a legal sense, um, but they had an immigrant like experience. So I'm that kind of generation. I'm like Ember, although I'm not the firstborn. Um, so I've kind of been in situations like this, but I also, I guess I'm a little bit different because my immigrant, like in quotes, kind of experience has been not like very similar to this at all. So I don't quite relate with it personally, but I could see other people that being the case. Yeah. I mean, I think you can see people like really respond. Like it has very like monsters Inc or inside out kind of type world. And it feels very, you know, like inspired and, and colorful and, and it has like something that is both kind of like a return to basics, but also something that feels kind of, new for Pixar, like you said, like a romantic comedy, almost like kind of like a screw all comedy at times, uh, style that, um, I could see people really responding to. And it's one of those things that's like, I, if it was better, I think I would really get with this movie's wavelength. Uh, but it's wavelength I, you say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of regretted saying that as soon as I said it, but, um, no, I, I think it, it's a film that it's just disappointing to me because it has all the hallmarks of a Pixar movie, but it feels clumsy in a way that they're usually not clumsy and so it's just it's just a little baffling and it's just disappointing i said i said in my review it it feels more like a pixar short in the sense that usually the pixar shorts don't have like they usually a, only scratch the surface of their worlds right yeah um, like, the, like the night and day one yeah um and the thing is like when you extend it out into a feature and you have to like fill in all the blanks uh, yeah that that's kind of how this comes across to me um i liked the for example um isaac feldberg uh wrote in his can review because he saw he saw this there he said that uh it kind of just reminded him of like concept art but like they they made a movie based on the concept art without like really figuring out the script um and that makes sense to me because it does seem like they were really excited by how this world could be and like exploring it and doing all of that because i mean obviously it looks really good and you know watching the different characters like there's like a little bit of like you know middle school science stuff going on in this movie that's like yeah it's cool it's a but then there's also like a lack of exploration uh we're in a lot of the same locations in this movie we don't really get to hang out with the earth and air elements a ton and kind of see what their lives are yeah yeah Yeah. Outside of like Joe Para's character and uh, like the one Cloud character, Claude? really, Claude. Yeah, Claude. oh no, the the kid. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Catherine O'Hara or not Catherine O'Hara. She plays uh, the mom of uh, Wade, but uh, Gail is played by Wendy McClendon Covey. Sorry. Yeah, I just I, I, it just feels oddly kind of lacking in that same way we we're talking about with like with, with um yeah with our central like main love interest it just seems like yeah like they have the stuff there the elements if you will but like they're not really explored that deeply whether it's because they were explored earlier and this didn't really fit into the narrative or what it just uh yeah it just kind of comes across a little lacking yeah i do i do appreciate that at least the voice cast is like they weren't just going for like big names like they actually found people i think where the voices like really match like, I think they, they did a great job with the casting there. Um, it's, it's so tough because, like, I want to grade this movie higher, you know? I, I think because it, it, so much of it is, like, really, like, I think, like, top-notch. But I, I guess uh, I've talked about this before. I, I think when it comes to story and, and the way that all those things sync up, that's something that I, I tend to just pr- prioritize uh, as a critic. And so 
it, it, it kind of comes off for me as like, it's not going to really, I don't know if this is going to really stand the test of time. I do hope that like, if they, if they came back to this world, maybe did a sequel, had more time with it. I don't know. Uh, on the same token, I'd rather they just make another original. Um, and I think their, their next movie looks pretty interesting, you know, a little promising. Um, some, something they haven't really done before, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel really bad, like not liking this for a number of reasons, but one is yesterday I was actually, when I was getting out of the flash, I saw that, um, Pearson had like a, like handwritten note he put out. And I don't know if you saw this where he was like talking about like, this is like a love letter to my parents. Oh yeah. Yeah. I heard about this. It was like, you know, like when he, they go to the movies together, uh, like his mom would often need him or like maybe one of their siblings or something to translate the film. But like with animation, they never had that. And so like this movie is like a, a way of like making a movie for them. And I guess they passed away during the making of the film. I think there's a little tribute at the very end. So it's like, it's a very heartfelt film and you can yeah. tell it like, put his, uh, you know, his heart into it. But um, yeah, just, you know, so when it comes out, it's kind of like a middle of the road Pixar movie. It's just like, man, like just a bummer. It's such a bummer. It really is. Um, it, I don't know. I, I this kind of seems like it might be a flop. It has a big budget, two hundred million dollars, and um, I'm going to double check the the box office. But the the Thursday previews were pretty low, um, two point three million, um, which is, I mean, it's not like abnormally low for an original Pixar movie, and it's on a Thursday, but it, it doesn't look great. It's tracking, I think, for only like a thirty five million dollar opening weekend. And yeah, it's, it's summer. It's, it's kind of going to, it's going to be hard for them to make that up. Honestly, I think they probably would have been better suited releasing this in the spring uh, when there's a little bit less competition and uh, kids aren't at camp, you know, stuff like that. Um, or in uh, November, uh, when, when you have like Thanksgiving and this, I think this would have probably been better suited for that kind of release. But I mean, uh, yeah, if they released this in the spring, they would have to compete with super Mario brothers. And I mean, I don't know if that would have, that's true. That would have been tough. Yeah. They would have had a release in like March. Um, and I think like right before super Mario and then maybe have the Mario boost. Uh, but yeah, it would, have, it would have been tough either way. Uh, November, I think we're getting, um, I don't remember what we were getting animation wise, but I know we're getting, um, Oh, wish that's right. That's right. And then we're, we also have like a bunch of, we have a big Marvel movie, but yeah, I, I think this might've been better slated honestly for, for that part of the year. But, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, I think like the last time we got a Pixar movie in, in, uh, November, December was soul. Um, but that, yeah, obviously not a theatrical run. But uh, but Dinosaur was like a Thanksgiving release, right? Yeah, but that was way before Soul. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that flop. So, uh, yeah. Coco. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dinosaur was a flop, but Coco came out around that time and, and was a big hit. So it, it kind of, yeah, it just depends on the movie. All right. So the Rotten Tomatoes game. Elemental. And I'm, I'm very curious, Will, how you're going to do on this one because it's Pixar. How, how do you how do you guess? I mean, I know people are looking at this movie and they're like, uh, you know, why would I watch elemental and Ruby Gilman, teenage Kraken, is on the, <laughs> on the horizon. It's just two weeks away. <laughs> I can wait. Uh, all right. We have 156 reviews counted. Uh, one of them's mine. Um, will Ashton will thrill. What do you think the, the critics were? Is? Um, it's a good question. I think it's in the seventies, but I'm not quite sure where I'm going to say, Split down the middle, seventy-five percent. Well, Ashton, you're dead on. Where did really? this come from? Whoa! And it's because we played the Rotten Tomatoes game earlier with Flash, and so you're still you're warmed up. Uh, okay. Uh, audience score: we have two hundred fifty plus verified ratings. What do you got? 
Um, I think it's going to be high. I, I, th- I think the initial response, based on the the audience I saw with, though it seemed like some of the younger kids in my theater got a little scared. Um, yeah, at certain moments. I don't know how your audience responded to it, but uh, I think generally, I think they're going to be like, yeah, it was cute, it was nice. Uh, so I think they'll give it like uh, like you know, like high, but not like astoundingly high, like maybe like an eighty-two. Higher, ninety-one percent. Oh, okay. That. Yeah, yeah. Audiences are taking one look at Elemental, and they're saying like, "I'm going mental for this movie." Did you see this movie in um, 3D or 2D? I forgot to ask. 2D. Okay, I saw it in 3D. The screenings, the screenings have been are almost always three uh, 2D. I think one of the only exception was uh, Avatar: Way of Water. Right. Yeah, that's why I was surprised. My screening was in 3D. Hmm. Yeah, this movie probably kind of slaps on 3D. To be honest. Okay. Yeah, actually, I would say. If you're going to see it, it actually looks pretty good in 3D. That's good to know. Um, okay, what about cinema score? What do the folks in Vegas have to say about Elemental? What you got, Will? Oh, boy. Uh, it feels like a, a real B+. No, it's an A. Mm, all right. I'm telling you, I, I think that, uh, you know, look, the folks are taking one look at us, and they're being like, all right, John and Will, they're doing their thing. They're being a bit negative, but uh, what do they know? Yeah, I I love this movie. Says uh, I think more people, but the thing is, is that going to translate to box office? Is going to translate to word of mouth? You can I don't know. count on Vegas, or sorry, Vegas. You can always count on Vegas to bet on love. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there is like you said, the Super Mario Brothers thing of the spring, but I mean, right now you have Spider Man across the Spider Verse. Uh, yeah, you have. Uh, you, you, I mean, you do have um, big movies coming out. Yep, uh, Transformers, and that. It, it does feel like a little bit of a crowded. I mean, we were talking about the Flash. Like it, this would have been our main review if it wasn't for right. the Flash, right? Like it, it just yeah. seems like a weird release time. But okay. Also, doesn't Disney usually spread out their releases? Like they only do like one a month. Like they're doing this like two weeks before Indiana Jones. That's true. Uh, Indiana Jones is hitting June thirty. So it, yeah, it's kind of bizarre. And I guess they think that the. Uh, <clears throat> that the cross promotion or the, the, the audiences are different, but I don't know. Um, weird, weird summer box office so far, but okay. It's elemental. Uh, oh, and a letterbox. I'll try that. So sorry. So sorry. Um, the, it only has 8.5 thousand watches on letterbox. I mean, compare that to the flash The flash at 70,000 when we did it, uh, the review coming out the same day. I mean, it's just like a fraction, mm-hmm. uh, but what do you think the average rating is? You think it's gonna be higher than the flash was? Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm going to say 3.3. It's a little bit higher. 3.5. Okay. So parts of rights rules. Yeah, you did. Okay. But, um, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. Friends of the show alike are, they're kind of different on this. You know, I'm seeing, I'm seeing lots of threes, threes and a halves, fours, uh, friend of the show, Emma Sasek. I think she saw it at Cannes. She gave it five stars. Um, yeah, and then uh, but then you have uh, other folks like Isaac Feldberg I mentioned before who gave it two stars. Um, so there's a bit of a range on this one. Um, but hey, what are you what are you going to think about the movie, a listener? Um, you know, as always, you can let us know. Uh, our email is open. We haven't gotten an email in a while. It's because I never mentioned it. Uh, Cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com if you want to hit us up. And yeah. also, uh, we have a Discord um, on the In Between Drafts Discord. You can hang out with the Cinemaholics there. Um, we're usually chatting, doing whatever. Uh, well, Will's not usually there. I mean, you're there, but like you're not. You're usually more of a haunt. Yeah, I'm there in yeah. spirit. Um, but no, I was gonna say uh, Carl's date. Should we talk about that real quick? Didn't like it. I thought it was I, fine. 
I didn't think it was, it just, I, it didn't make me laugh. I, I know some people made them cry. I, I just, it was a nothing to me. I didn't think it was very well written. I, I, I like the concept, but it just, uh, I don't know. It didn't really do anything. I, 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 it felt a little bit like it was trying to do the up thing again. And I, <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe it's because like, to me, it just feels like that story is complete and I don't want to go back to it. Sure. Uh, so that, that was a little bit like, all right, up it came out 14 years ago. <laughs> Right, like it's it's a little, I don't know. Yeah, you could definitely you could tell in Bob Pearson's voice for Doug, like it, it's been fourteen years. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a squirrel. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of an exasperation to it. Um, yeah. I mean, Doug is cool. I mean, I, I like Doug. Oh, and, sure. I, and I like Vlad Asner. Hey, he's the, he's the goat. But yeah, right. Well, that's the thing, right? For me, is like I think overall the short. I I, I guess I'm more charitable in sense like I didn't hate it. I thought it was just kind of. You know, it was fine. Definitely lower than your average Pixar short standards. And I felt like it was kind of just like, I thought it was leading up to something more like a punchline. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some sort of thing. Like, you know, he gets the date and whatever. It's like a dog or something. And then like, (laughs) oh, dog. You You had that thought too, where it was like, oh, maybe he was talking to a dog. Uh, That would have been funny. Yeah, Um, I mean, something like some joke. But then just like, oh, no, it's just. Okay, that it just it's just, just goes to the. Um, right. But no, I mean, I, I do think I wasn't expecting Ed Asner to reprise his role because, obviously, unfortunately, he passed away. So I was like, oh, yeah. they probably someone else to do it. So when I actually heard Ed Asner, it generally kind of warmed my heart. I was like, oh, is Ed Asner again? Yeah. Um, so I thought that was nice, but yeah, I mean, it, you could. I mean, I watch. I end up watching it uh, one and a half times because there was an issue with the projector where it wasn't playing 3D properly, uh, and I feel like even watching it once was fine. Like I didn't need to, you know, yeah. uh, see it that many times. But um, but yeah, if you if you make it to the theater on time to see it, I don't think it's you know you'll you'll think it's whatever. I think. All right. Well, uh, next week uh, we're hoping to cover off uh, No Hard Feelings and or Past Lives. Uh, so be sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, yeah. But for now, we're heading out. So from the Internet California, I'm John Agroni. From the Internet Pennsylvania, I'm Wash. See you next time.